Hello and welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. And I am Gordon. And this is episode number 143. Yikes. It's terrifying. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes is right. So, Gordon, what are we going to pontificate upon today? Do you like that word? That's, it's that's it's a good word. Today, uh, I have to try and... Uh, I'll do you on that one. Oh, I, I have no doubt that you will. Um, I think we should maybe address a grumbling issue that I keep hearing amongst... Uh, the grumblers? The, the rumblers and the grumblers. Mm -hmm. And that is, why are companies charging us a subscription uh, membership as opposed to just like the old days where they used to let us buy it and we could use it to our heart's content. Fair enough. I think that's a great conversation. Um, if you don't mind, I'll kick it off because I Absolutely. come from the software industry and I know exactly where this is driven from. Okay. So in software, if you build and release software on what we call the old days, uh, let's call that the perpetual license. Basically, you pay for the license and you own it to use in perpetuity. That's due for you. That's due today. <laughs> I'm saving up for next week. <laughs> and in perpetuity, what it means is that when the software company sells the license, they recognize the revenue for the license sale up front. They get to count all the money at once. Looks really good on the bottom line because it's a big revenue influx. The challenge is then they have to figure out how they're going to spread that out between the current release and the next one. Mm -hmm. Because unless they offer a support agreement, and many software companies with perpetual agreements do offer support agreements. They usually run between 25 and 33% of the perpetual license cost that you would pay usually on an annualized basis. And that would get the customer some level of support. It would get them updates that occur in the period. And that was all the money that the company would get. Doesn't that sound a lot like a um, license? Well, that is, a, it's a perpetual uh, uh, license. No, but I meant if, if you're selling uh, the uh, support agreement, mm -hmm. that surely takes you back to a subscription model, doesn't it? The support is a subscription. Okay. Uh, but the difference is, if you didn't pay for your support, the software would still work. Correct. You just wouldn't get support and you wouldn't get updates. Okay. And it, it worked that way forever. Mm -hmm. What happened though is the companies figured that doing releases, particularly in larger and more complex products, to do a full system, let's call it, we call them dot releases, to go from version 22 to version 23, for example, is an enormous amount of work. And there's a bucket of upfront cost. And there's no revenue coming in to pay for that. Right. You've got all the money up front. Boy, you better have budgeted well for it. They also discovered that there were would-be customers 
who would have loved to buy the software or at least have been willing to buy the software. But the upfront capital cost of the software was so high that they wouldn't buy it at all. Yep. And some mm -hmm. of them instead would steal it. Okay. So if we look at photographic software, as an example, Photoshop was one of the most widely pirated pieces of software out there. In this case, the manufacturer worked really hard to make it hard to pirate. But that's like making antivirus software. You can only fix what you know about. Right. And so organizations and people and groups were always ahead of the game. What the software vendors discovered is if they could change their cash flow to be recurring, they wouldn't see the big influx of cash up front, but they would see the revenue every month, kind of like an annuity. Right. And within that annuity, they would blend use of the license with no license transfer, as well as support and updates. Good. So one of the big changes that happened was there was no more perpetual license. You're now renting. Mm -hmm. And when you stop renting, the maker has no more obligation to you. Right. Your relationship is terminated. What they discovered was that the subscription model, because the cost of entry was less, more people were willing to pay for it. Right. And so they perceive a significant increase in the number of users, whether it's actually a real increase or not, we're not sure, but it's certainly a reduction in the amount of piracy because the software is tied to your ID, it is personal, and it constantly reconnects to validate that you're still you. Okay. It works very, very well for the software makers. Now, there are some benefits as well for the end users, which we're going to talk about, but fundamentally, it's a cash flow game. It has nothing to do with technology. It has everything to do with how revenue can be recognized by a software company. As a consequence, the vast majority of software companies have moved to subscription-based models where end-user software is concerned. Okay. So we could think of this like Photoshop, Lightroom, end-user software. You could think of Microsoft Office, mm -hmm. also end-user software. Mm -hmm. You pay a subscription. In that case, it's annual, and you get everything and support and all the cool stuff and updates all along. When the subscription comes due, if you renew... You get to keep using it, and if you don't, you don't. Right. The software stops working. So that's the fundamental difference between perpetual and subscription license. It's how long can you use it, and what did you pay for? Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So what do users think of that? Well, if I was, if I was running a business, and I didn't know from one moment to the next how much money I was going to be getting to run my business... I, I can see that it would make the management uh, uh, budgeting for your further developments, budgeting for stuff you need to do. I'm not a businessman, but uh, I run a household, and it's not that different. And if you don't know where the money's coming from, uh, you can't do those things. It's very so, tough. So from from their point of view, I, I think it makes... I think it makes perfectly good sense. End user may not like it all that much, but even that I'm not so sure about. Well, certainly you're right that there are some people who complain about it, but I wonder if they looked at all the possible sides. Like I know, for example, 
what do we pay here in Canada for the photographer's bundle? Uh, it's about 16, 17 bucks, I think. Okay, $16, $17 a month. Yeah, Canadian. Canadian. Twice as much as anybody else in yeah, the world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we won't get into the incompetence of a certain government. We could say that that's what? Well, even if you even if you go to 20, it's... It, let's call it $200 a year. Sure. Right? And mm -hmm. for that, we get Lightroom and Photoshop and a whole bunch of other stuff. And a whole bunch of other stuff. But we both know that most users don't even look at the whole bunch of other stuff. They're Correct. unaware. Correct. Or don't care. It's, it, either way. doesn't make them right or wrong. It's simply a what's so. In the perpetual model, there would be a new version of Lightroom every couple of years. Mm -hmm. The sell price for that perpetual license was about $200. Right. So if you were subscribing for two years, mm -hmm. you're net zero. Right. Because it's cost you the same, except you've got Photoshop. Right. And I can recall the last time there was perpetual license, Photoshop had a new release every two and a half to three years. Right. At just under $800. Each. Right. Right. So over three years, I would have spent $800 up front to have the current release. Mm -hmm. And when the new release came out, if it had stuff I wanted, if it had stuff I wanted, right. I got to buy it again. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe at 800 maybe at less, maybe I got an upgrade price, right. which was never that big a deal. <laughs> Upgrades, mathematically, usually around 60 to 70% of the normal sell price. Okay. That's an industry standard. So let's do that, and let's say that my Photoshop upgrade would have cost me $450. Okay. My $800 over three years. Right. Plus Lightroom, yep. I'm way ahead with the subscription model. Mm -hmm. You have to do the math for a pretty long period of time before one crosses the other. And there has to be an assumption at some point that says, I'm not buying new versions anymore. I am happy with the version that I have, and I'm never going to move on. Right. And we both know somebody who made that decision. Right. They've... I like Photoshop 6. I'm never leaving Photoshop 6. I have no need to ever go forward. Right. They're going to get a nasty surprise at some point, but it works for them for two or three years. Are they ahead of the game? I don't know. Probably not, I think. <clears throat> yeah, but I think you got to do the math individually. Sure. Right? So if we look at subscription, what's the benefit to the user? Because, frankly, most users don't give a crap about the benefit to the manufacturer. Right. That's a, that's a given. So there's a lower upfront cost. Yep. Let's say it's $17 a month. Okay. Versus $800. Right. $17 a month. I can spend that for a fairly long time before I get anywhere near 800 bucks. Yeah, and, and to put it in perspective, that's $17... Take a friend and go into Timmy's or any coffee shop you want, and the chances of you coming out of there paying anything less than $20 is yeah, probably not going to happen. No, and for those of you who live in places that don't have Tim Hortons, think Starbucks and double the price. <laughs> right. Right. So that's not an exorbitant amount of money. It doesn't seem unreasonable in general. 
Um, one of the things that I've actually heard is a complaint now is that one of the other benefits of a subscription is it allows the maker to work on sm bite, smaller bite-sized pieces mm -hmm. so they can add new features before having to do a full version up. What in the software industry we used to call point releases. Right. You know, 22.1, 22, et cetera, et cetera. Now those just show up. They're regular updates. Right. Not just bug fixes. Certainly there are always bug fixes. Oh, yeah. But there's new stuff that comes sooner than the regular than the old style upgrade cycle. Now, some people love that. But I've heard some people say, well, it's so complicated. I have to make sure the software is up to date all the time. I don't know. I it's don't all know that hard. That's but true. okay. If it I mean, makes if you, you want happy to do it the hard copy, way, yeah. But uh, you could most just of say, the time you just set it up and you go to bed at night and you wake up and you got uh, yeah, it's auto updates on. Yeah, if, try, try Microsoft. No, not Microsoft. Try Apple. Yeah, it, this is a lot simpler. And of course, there are the fixes. Yeah. Right, because you don't have to wait for a big release, or Patch Tuesday. To get all the all the fixes right. that have been discovered, and let's face it, these are big, powerful, and complicated software products. For anyone to believe that you can get a release with no problems, yeah, that's not going to happen. I know. So it means that the maker says, "Okay, yes, I get it. We made an error. Here's the fix. Right. Not we made an error. Deal with it. Right. For six to twelve months." which I think in the long term freaks people out a whole lot more. I, I could be wrong. We talked about, you know, the cost and the updates and the patches, and that makes it, I think, as a benefit, easy to stay current. Yes. To your point, I go to bed, and right. I wake up the next day, and I'm current. You're current. You're on the current release. Now, for the manufacturer, that's a great thing, because supporting N-1, N-2, N-3, N-4 versions of software is extremely expensive. Right. And let's face it, entry-level support, what we call level one, that's not a high-paying job. <laughs> and it's not no. a job that has t a lot of tenure. It's not common that someone goes from being a level one support specialist to level two, to level three, to Tiger Team. Right. And those are just generic terms used in the software industry. You know, you may or someone may have had the opportunity to speak to a Tiger Team level specialist. And you go, wow, that, that person's amazing. She knew everything. Right. <laughs> but that's a small number of people globally. And this is sometimes where you see complaints. And we've seen with Adobe, where level one support is a call center. Yep. Somewhere else in the world where the people don't actually know a lot. They just have a script to follow. Yep. And if you don't fit the script and you don't like waiting, you might be unpleasantly uh, influenced. And I remember what it used to be like in the old days. There was no call center. You called in and maybe you actually got to talk to someone who might take a message and might pass it on. And maybe someone would call you back in two to three weeks. Right. Multiple things, different ways. Now, with the subscriptions, depending on the vendor, you can typically install the software on multiple machines. Yes, and use it on up to two or three, depending on the manufacturer, at the same time. Right. Back in the old days, that was crazy because the regular person barely had one computer. Mm -hmm. Now we look around and we say, so how many computers do you have access to? The number is, it's greater than one. 
No, on average. Average, absolutely. Um, and that, that can make it easier on the subscriber. Well, you know, I've got the big computer that I work on and I've got my laptop. Yep. Perfect. You've got the same software at the same level, same patches, works on the same files. That could be a benefit. Now, are there downsides to subscription? Of course there are. What are people most scared of with ending a subscription? Like, what do you hear? Um, well, if, if this ends, uh, what's going to happen to all the, all the software or, or all my data that is in that program? Uh, the fear of the loss of the loss of their data, I think, is probably the biggest thing. And I think that's fair. So let's let's think about that. Are you're a Lightroom user? Yes. Are your photos in Lightroom? In Lightroom, no. So if Lightroom went away, would you lose your photos? No. Okay. So what's in Lightroom if Lightroom went away? Uh, it's the little box with the catalog cards in it. Right. And your recipes for changes. And my recipe for changes. Now, that could be seen as a catastrophic loss. It could if you were, uh, if you were a professional person and uh, uh, dependent uh, wholly on, on that as a source of income. Yeah, they, that, would, that would be an issue. Yeah. I think for the average person, yeah, it's, it's a pain, but not insurmountable. So I think the question that needs to be begged in that legitimate concern, what happens to Lightroom when I don't pay for the subscription? Well, I'll tell you what happens. <laughs> you can't import more, more photos. Right. You can't edit any more photos. You can view and export all the photos that are in the catalog. Right. Including your changes. Okay. So you don't lose it. You lose the ability to move it forward or to change them. So you've lost no data. Okay. However, the application no longer works the same way it did before. Now it's giving you base level, you can look at it, functionality. You can't do anything with them. Okay. Other than spit them out to use somehow, right. somewhere. So if you had switched to another program and you exported what you had in Lightroom, uh, you see it goes over with the changes intact as a, as a sidecar file or something. It gets baked in. Uh, okay, or, so it's, it's baked in, so it's already there. It's already there. Or, to your point, and thanks for bringing it up, one of the options you have in Lightroom is to always create a sidecar. Okay. It's an XML sidecar. Right. Other applications can read it and open it if they are XML ready. Right. So I could take a file that I've done all kinds of editing to in Lightroom, just that raw file and its XML sidecar, and I could open it in a program that has nothing to do with Adobe. Right. Like DxO Photo Lab or Capture One. And they could read the file and try to apply most of those recipe items. Right. Now, some will fail because some are Lightroom specific, but the vast majority are going to work. Now, however, if I exported the, the photo from Lightroom right. as a TIFF, because mm -hmm. I want to preserve all the detail. Right. Every, well, then uh, everything's in there, isn't it? Everything's there. I won't be able to go back and change it. So if I had a radial filter that I applied right. and I export as a <laughs> TIFF, I'm not going to be able to change that radial filter after the fact. But I'm still going to have my raw file because that wasn't in Lightroom anyway. Right. And I could do it differently again if I wanted to re-edit. 
So what I've lost when my subscription expires or I choose not to use it is I've lost the functionality of the application. Right. Now, Photoshop, it's very much the same. When you save a file in Photoshop, how is it saved? Generally as a PSD file. Right. Photoshop document. Right. If it's really big, it's a PSB. Okay. Photoshop big. I, I don't know I don't why. Know I don't know what PSB stands for, but that sounds good to me. Can you open a PSD file in any other application? The answer is yes, you can. Okay. Because it has become ubiquitous and because Adobe documented the format for PSD. Okay. Whether or not so you... It is, so it's available to everybody else. It's, it's, it's available. Okay. How editable is it? That depends on how you cooked it. Right. I mean, you and I have both met people who say, the last thing I do in every Photoshop exercise is I flatten it. Okay, guess what? Well, you can't re-edit anything anyway. You can't anyway. do anything anyway. So your use case and how you build it is going to be very dependent. And the new software has to be able to support the concept of layers. And you know what? Yeah, that could get more complicated. Absolutely. But the file isn't lost. Right. And it may be a place where you could start over. Now, I do know that I hear people complain, well, this is a hassle because I have to log in and I have to have an internet connection. I respect that. This is 2022. Everybody's got... Got to have an internet connection to scratch your head, pretty much. Pretty much. And having done a fair bit of Adobe software work on airplanes or in airports where the cost of internet, I, I could buy a house cheaper. <laughs> it needs to connect, in the case of Adobe, and we're talking specifically about Adobe in this instance, it has to connect once a quarter before the software disables. Okay. I'm pretty sure we're going to get connected to something once a quarter. Right. If we're not, we're on the wrong model. <laughs> Wrong, wrong place to. Subscriptions aren't going to work for you. Right. You know, if you've got no connectivity, if you're truly off the grid, well, then you have no electricity anyway, so it probably doesn't. Yeah, that's... Uh, anyway, I think the final complaint that I've seen, and I'm wondering if you've heard it, is that the quality of the product has diminished since subscriptions have come into place. I heard just this week a very strong belief that there is limited to no, quote, limited to no quality assurance testing because they're releasing everything so quickly. I I don't know. I've not, I've not heard that. Okay. Probably because the people that I'm uh, mingling with uh, probably don't know, don't care, or haven't noticed. Haven't noticed? Invariably, when I hear this complaint, I say, oh, really? Were you doing anything else? Were you using any other software? Oh, yeah, I was using the XYZ plugin, and it doesn't work the same as it used to. Okay. <laughs> Now you have the potential that the third party is not following the program rules for APIs. Right. They've been doing a backdoor and they f and Adobe fixed it. Right. Or Adobe changed something because it's their right. Or it's Adobe their, shut the back door. Or Adobe shut the back door. I don't think that we've seen massive, massive problems. Look, I get it. We have seen dot zero releases, major version ups where there were issues. And I'll tell you a secret. The next one. There's going to be issues. Right. Because if you're changing tens of millions of lines of code, there could be a so, gotcha in there yeah. someplace. Yeah. And so there has also been this, uh, you know, the old software philosophy was never be current, always be one or two versions behind. And in perpetual licensing, that made sense because it took so long to get updates. But subscriptions, we see updates whenever the vendor wants to send one. And yeah, I, and I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I can't see how that, the whole thing about, you know, be, be two, two versions behind the times. Uh, things are moving too fast. Uh, you can't make that. And people seem to want the latest, greatest, whatever. 
Oh, well, look well, at China. Yeah, that, that's interesting because they fall into two categories. There are those who say, why do they keep changing it? And I don't want to keep upgrading. And uh, the ones who say, well, I, I want it now and I want it yesterday. Okay, those so, are two very different use cases. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, sorry, guys, if you so want it perpetual, be our... <laughs> if you want it perpetual, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Because there was some speculation, you know, like, well, what's going to happen when Adobe goes back to perpetual licenses? And the answer was simple. Hi, this is Adobe. We're not. <laughs> this works for us, and it works for the vast majority of our customers. Right. So I don't know. Now, there are people who think there are great benefits to perpetual licenses. Okay. What do you hear? Uh, I think the money aspect is, is the big thing that I'm hearing. You know, pay it once, you owned it forever. Uh, I've been using it for so long, I've got really fairly comfortable doing it. And uh, I don't feel like I have to keep on doing, upgrading and paying money all the time. So, Okay, that could be very true for somebody. And it, and it probably is, but there, I think there are limitations because that, that will work until it doesn't. Because the company is going to keep on moving forward. And I think that's the key point that you're hitting on. That software company is not going to stand still because if they do, they're going to shut down. Yes, they they can't they can't afford to do that. They can't afford to stand still, you know. And and I've heard that in software, we just need to stand still long enough so we can move ahead. Did you actually listen to you, what you just said? <laughs> you sound like you're in government. <laughs> They're mutually exclusive concepts. You know, I hear the benefit. Well, I have no long term commitment. You have no long term commit long term commitment to a subscription. It's monthly. You want to end it? End it. Right. Well, then I can't use the software anymore, and I could still use the software in the perpetual model. Yeah, well, but your version. You could versions... the last version, and that's when they decided they were going to come out with the model where you had to upgrade your hardware and your software. Oh. And, oh, dear. Oh, wait. Hang on. I think you hit the big negative for perpetual. Are you suggesting that older software may not work on a current operating system? No, I'm not suggesting it. I'm saying it. Because you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. We, we see the word from... Apple, and we see the word from Microsoft, and they'll say we'll support this far back. Anything older than that? Good luck. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a stack of uh, Apple computers, and I was running all kinds of third-party software on it because Safari wouldn't work. Uh, my mail kept coming in. I I certainly couldn't upgrade the operating system to current standards because the hardware wasn't powerful enough to to manage it. So, had I had a perpetual license program on any of those machines. I was now, at that time, into the cost of a new Apple and the new version of the software because the current version probably wouldn't work on the new versions anyway. Well, we saw it with Mac OS. I think it was two versions ago. I can't remember. Where 32-bit applications were no longer supported. Yeah. It had to be 64-bit. Yep. Now, as a user, does every user see the benefit of 64-bit? Probably not. No, but they know whether their computer's faster or not, but benefits, no, they probably don't. They don't know, but there are benefits to it Yeah, in terms of addressable memory and what the chips can do. You know, we used to joke that your smartphone has more compute power than all of Apollo 11 did. Right. Your laptop computer today <laughs> has more compute power than all defensive systems did, you know, up until about 1980. There's just a lot of power there. And so I expect as long as hardware makers will continue to make new hardware, because if they don't, they're dead. Mm -hmm. Operating systems are going to change because the operating system makers need, need to do that. They want to add new value. They want to take on, bring new features. Customers are constantly demanding, well, I want it to... 
I want it to read my mind and do my shopping for me and wipe my toes and whatever <laughs> yeah, else. Stop at the toes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think whatever that movie was about the robot and, and all the humans were on lounge chairs and weighing 700 pounds. No, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come back. <laughs> when hardware changes, operating systems will change. Yep. And when operating systems change, the software that runs on them is going to change. And if I was only dependent on a perpetual license and I want to actually have it work, I'm going to have to buy a new perpetual license. Yeah. That means I'm out of pocket, full dollar value. And what's interesting, while subscriptions are cost effective, perpetual license software has not dropped in price. Right. It's gone up. Yep. <clears throat> the other thing that's going to happen with perpetual is when version 23 comes out, all work on anything prior to that stops. Right. So if there were issues in version 22, they're going to be there forever. Right. Because nobody's going to fix the non-current version. There's no revenue in it. There's no value in it. Oh, I'm running version 19 because that's what my computer will handle. Good. Don't hope for help. Don't hope for support. Don't hope for patches. Don't hope for fixes. It's not going to happen. Right. Oh, and by the way, the new version of Windows won't even let you run that software. Oh, yeah. Windows is... If, if Mac is bad, Windows is probably worse. Well, they're in the same boat, right? The, the, the manufacturers, they need to move their operating systems forward. And that may mean that software that's old won't run anymore. Like you talked about it with your Macs. I've finally bitten the bullet and ordered a new Mac. In preparation for it, I've been looking at the Mac laptop I have that still works, but can't run the latest operating systems. Right. <coughs> and I'm looking at all that software. So what am I going to have to port? I'm not porting anything. I'm on subscription for the stuff I need. Right. Or I have access to license for the perpetuals I use. Right. I'm porting nothing. I'm just going to do a fresh install. Okay. Because guess what? There's a ton of stuff on that machine that I haven't used in years. Right. And that will not work. You know, I'll run the up Apple upgrade program and I'm going to get a folder on the desktop that says non-compatible software. Right. And it's going to be full of stuff that I have not used in years. But did I ever erase it? Nope. Nope. How many times did I install trial of something? Try it once and never <laughs> remembered it was there ever again. I'll admit it, a lot. So I'm not convinced, but I respect that pe some people still are, that perpetual is the only way. Right. In fact, I, I'm going to suggest for our listeners that it worked for decades, but we're not going back to it. Yeah. And I'm going to suggest that if you're uncomfortable with subscription, you better go sit down and get over it. Right. Because even the third-party stuff, you know, the plugins yep. that were... They've moved forward as well. They, you know, it was $99 buy at once. No, they're becoming a subscription as well because they need to keep up. Yep. If Photoshop changes the APIs, if Lightroom creates masking that's better than the third-party masking products, how are those third-party masking products going to sell to anybody? They're not. And, you know, and, and, and we grumble a lot about, uh, we, keep, we keep coming back to Adobe as the, uh, uh, as the gold standard of, uh, of, of everything, uh, both our complaints and our uh, accolades. 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 There you go. That's good. Well, that's two ones so far. Yeah. But I think the people that are going to get hurt, uh, well, maybe not hurt, but are the people who don't do very much with their programs and they have a base level and they've got accustomed to it and comfortable with it, uh, that's going to stop working at some point. Perpetual or otherwise, it's going to stop working 
and then it's going to be a huge leap for humanity to try and catch up. I, I believe that your assertion is correct. So let's look at Adobe as an example. We talk about Lightroom and Photoshop. Yeah. Most everybody in the club talks about Lightroom and Photoshop. And that's true in all the clubs that I've spoken to. It's true in the Kelby One community. Those seem to be the standards. But what if somebody doesn't feel like doing editing regularly? Mm -hmm. They want something that's powerful, but isn't going to change a lot. It's pretty simple and doesn't cost a lot of money. Right. They can buy it once and they can use it for three years. Well, you can't do that with Photoshop, but you can do it with Photoshop Elements. Yes. It's about 100. You can look around and find it for 100 bucks. Right. Maybe 140. I don't know. It's probably 80% of Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Is the UI the same? No, not at all. It's built for the user who doesn't need or want right. that level of power. Sure. We've also seen, I saw one come out today, a photo editor that's completely free, but it's not installed on your machine. Okay. It's a web service. Okay. So you're going to be needing your internet yeah, no, yep. mm -hmm. to upload and download the images. Right. And I have no idea what where the finished work is going to live. Is this free service now going to also require me to spend $20 a month for cloud storage? Well, I'm not ahead of the game anymore. <laughs> nope. I mean, look, I admit it. I don't get the point of Lightroom Creative Cloud Mobile, whatever the hell it's called this week. Why would I pay for an application that I need a browser to run, where I need to be connected to the cloud, and where I get to pay more for storage? $20 a month for what is it, a terabyte? Not much. Yeah, it's not a lot of storage. You know, for about $80, I can get a terabyte of mobile storage that goes with me everywhere. And that right. I can plug into my computer, to a Windows machine, to a Mac machine, to an iPad, and it's mine. My stuff stays with me. Right. Now, I realize I am not the new customer. Yes. The new customer is very comfortable with having nothing. Yep. They're okay with everything being in the cloud. I'm an old IT guy. Hard drives break. And nobody wants to show me their backup strategy. Right. Or how easy it is to recover. So I'm skeptical. So even those perpetual options that appear, you know, like, oh, look, it's free. I can edit everything in the cloud. What happens if it goes away? Like Google Photos. Yep. Oh, that's a good example. You know, what, what, what's the value to Google? Well, you are. You're the, you're the product. And when they figure that they've sold in all of you they can, then they don't need to offer services by which they're going to gather information about you. We saw that happen, and we'll see it happen again. And the same thing is going to be true for the Facebook organization because they ostensibly are free. Nobody lives on free. Yep. There's got to be a revenue stream in there someplace. Sure. So, again, it's 2022. Yep. Do we even need to worry about perpetual license anymore? I think it's there. It's to stay. Go with it. Subscription, you mean, or perpetual? Oh, sorry. Uh, perpetual is. No, I, I think perpetual is gone. And I think it is too. And we both know people who are very uncomfortable with subscription. I don't want to pay that $20 a month. But to your point, that's easy enough to do at Tim Hortons or Starbucks or wherever. Yep. And you can't get that coffee back. And and, and most, there are few useful programs, uh, not, not just photography programs or, or anything else. Um, I, I run Quicken. And it used to be that I purchased uh, whatever version it was of Quicken, and, and then I ran it until a new version of Quicken came out, and it wasn't terribly expensive. 
And suddenly I found I wasn't. I now had to buy, I had to buy a license, a yearly renewable license, and which is basically a rental. Yeah, it's a subscription. And every every year about this time, I open it up and there's a little sign that's saying, uh, your thing has expired. And, I mean, it renews automatically, but by the time the, com- the computer wakes up and realizes it has, the, the message is there. Well, you haven't renewed. Uh, well, you can look at what you got, but you can't use it. So uh, so that's that's gone. I, I think the other stuff is uh, uh, there. There are other programs uh, out there that allow you to do that. Um, but I don't know. Are they, are they are Skylum and stuff? Are they Skylum is still perpetual with frequent updates that break the prior version. Okay. Skylum, uh, Skylum is a very different company from when they started. Yeah, yeah. They've had a lot of ownership changes and such. And uh, certainly the the customer concern is that it's less reliable than it used to be. Mm. But we also have to remember that Skylum started as a plug-in. Right. And they did some cool, really cool stuff that no longer works. Oops. Because that back door got closed. Right. Or... I can get that natively in the uh, Photoshop or Lightroom I'm already paying for. Mm-hmm. Why do I need this anymore? Well, you know, we, we grumble about Photoshop, but uh, not, not Photoshop. We grumble about Adobe, and and it's such a mammoth organization, and it moves so slowly, blah, 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 blah. But they're not dumb. They didn't get to be that size by, uh, by being uh, ignorant. No. And when they see stuff like that going on, then their, their only option is, okay, that's fine. We'll better that. Acquire it or kill it. Yeah. Acquire it or, or beat it. Or improve it, which is the same or as beat it. it. Beat it. Negate the value. Yeah. And I think that that's what's happened. You know, Skyloom was way ahead of the game with Sky Replacement. Right. And it, and it was really good. But it no longer works the same now. There you go. And... Let's face it, the Lightroom and Photoshop Sky replacements, they're pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're probably more than good enough for the average user. Oh, yes. Way, 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 way. So what's the value proposition? Why should I spend 99 or 129 or however much Luminar costs? And then they confuse the, the model because they those companies also need revenue. Yep. Well, I charged last six months ago for Luminar. I can't charge again till the next version. <clears throat> so I'll bring out something that does something a little different. So I'll bring out Neo. And this past week, I've seen a lot of stuff where the two applications are fighting. I feel bad for these software makers because they're also in a bad form. They leverage getting ahead of the monster. Right. But the monster has momentum. <laughs> and, the, and to your point, the monster is not stupid. It can feel something chewing on its ankles. Yep. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> and then there, that market is that market vanishes. Um, in fact, one thing I'd like to do on this podcast uh, on a future episode is talk about the change in how plugins are being used. Okay. And how plugin mania is becoming not. Okay. You know, plugins and presets. Three years ago, that was everything. I'll get this for this and this for this and this for the other thing. And suddenly you weren't paying $20 a month. 
you're paying $20 a month and $7,000 and a bunch of crap to add on to it. Right. That market, the bottom's fallen out of it. But we'll save that for another day. Okay. Do you think we've missed anything when it comes to subscriptions? No. I, versus I, perpetual? I, I, think, I think we've covered it. And it's uh, to, to end on a personal note. When I, when I joined the camera club and I uh, awoke to the fact that um, post-processing was something I had to learn to do because I had not done anything before. Well, that's not true. I used elements before and I did a little bit. And uh, at the time that I came into this, uh, I was told, well, you can't, you can't buy it. And when I looked at the price of uh, Photoshop at that time and I said, well, you're right, I can't buy this. Uh, I can't afford to buy it and I, I wouldn't buy it. But uh, there was the subscription model, and I said, okay, so if I want to do photography, and if I want to get good at it, and I want to do the things that all these other people that I'm doing that are blowing the, my socks off, all right, it's $20 a minute, uh, not a month. Um, bite the bullet, pay your $20, get on with it. It was it wasn't an issue. There was no question of, oh well, I can you know I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. Okay, if I want to do this, I got to pay this. So, there is an element of pay to play. Yeah, and you chose twenty dollars a month. Yep. Versus eight hundred dollars up front. Yep. Knowing you're going to have to pay that again in two and a half to three years. Well, I didn't hadn't thought that far ahead, but just the eight hundred rankled. So, yeah, that's a lot of money. So yeah. So if I hear you correctly, your guidance to the average user is you're going to, they're going to get a lot of value out of subscription software yep. at a relatively low cost per month. Yep. They're not going to actually lose their data. Yep. So why not do it? Because there is not an option that, that is equitable. Yeah. If you want to keep if if at the moment you are happy with what you've got and it's working for you, Fine, carry on. Yeah. But be aware of the fact that that may change. And you will then have to make the choices again. Well, you don't have to make the choice because there isn't a choice. It'll yeah. be subscription or nothing at that point. It's going to be subscription or nothing. But in exchange, we'll see new and interesting features. And we may not want every one of them. But we might find one or two. Yeah, you only you only need one or two in addition, and uh, you've broken even. You really have. Thanks, Gordon. I appreciate that. For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. We will speak to you again soon.